world-class media, this is World Class. I'm your host, Travis Chappell. Here on World Class, we combine value, entertainment, and behind-the-scenes insights to bring you the most comprehensive view of what it takes to become world-class in what you do. Listen in every week as I have conversations with top business leaders, journalists, hostage negotiators, authors, comedians, producers, you name it. If they're the best at what they do, I'll have a chat with them. I believe that the best way to become world-class is to learn from those who already are. And that's exactly what we do here on the show. You'll learn the skills that you need to master, the mindset that you need to adopt, the work you need to put in, all from people who have walked the road before you. So get ready to learn, be motivated, and most importantly, have a good time because you're listening to World Class. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of World Class. And uh, today, sitting down with my producer, Eric, again, and we are going through another Ask Travis segment in quarantine. So this quarantine Ask Travis segment number two, um, a little bit different backdrop today because I just wanted to get out of my home office for a second because it's, first of all, it's freaking hot as balls back there. But second of all, it's just really man, I don't know. You just feel like stir crazy when you sit in some one place for so long. So I decided to move to my living room where it's a little bit cooler and I can think a little bit better. So um, we are going to start off the segment like we did last week with some some uh, reviews of the show. We want to say thank you to everybody who's rating reviewing the show. So if you're listening to this in Apple Podcasts, head over there, leave a five-star rating review. Let us know what you think about the show. Um, It gives us feedback on what we can do better, but it also helps us with Apple's algorithm. So it would mean the world if you just take 30 seconds, literally 30 seconds, head over there, leave that rating review, and uh, you might possibly get a shout out on the show in the near future. And same thing if you're listening to this on YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button and the bell notification icon so you find the new episodes. And then comment uh, something on this video, Uh, comment a question or something like that, and we will get to those as well. So um, Eric, go ahead with a couple of those uh, top reviews yeah there were a couple of really cool reviews uh jackie jackie Ann 1203 says look at that sexy face on the cover i don't know who that is but good point that's a very good point yeah um yeah mario host of ea interviews uh there's ea sports it's in the game Yeah, EA interviews. That's not the same thing. But uh, he says, Travis is world class and so is his show. I've had the blessing of meeting Travis not only through his podcast, but also in person in 2019 and can say firsthand the thought, care, and concern he puts into every episode is the same he puts into his friendships. When he's teaching you about building your network, being world class, and strengthening relationships, I advise you take notes like I do because he lives it. Well, that's not bad. Uh, Mike T. Coaching says, tons of value, must listen. Uh, Travis delivers great value in everything he does, especially in his podcast and his other podcast, Build Your Network, another must listen. You'll definitely learn at least one thing from each episode that you can implement or learn to do for yourself and continue your own self-development. Not only does he give you value for your time, but he's also all around an awesome guy. So make it part of your day to listen to his podcast and grow every day. That is from Mike T. Coaching. This one's from Amber Furman. She says, Travis has been adding value to my entrepreneurial journey for so long, and this podcast is no different. I'm looking forward to watching this amazing podcast grow and impact lives. So another five-star there. I'm noticing a trend. All these reviews, nobody shouts out uh, me and A of the reviews. That's fine. But that would be nice to have like a good Ask Travis segment review where we talk about the handsome producer, but that's fine. Just hold, you can hold out hope, bro. You can hold out hope. Maybe somebody one of these days will see value in what you bring to the table, you know? Maybe someday. <laughs> Don't get your hopes up, but you know, if it happens, it happens. 
Um, well, the first review that comes in that mentions me by name, uh, Travis is going to do a free one-hour coaching call with you. <laughs> so, probably not. He's probably not going to do that. Eric will do a free one-hour coaching call with you. You will go to our show right now and leave a review that says something about Eric. And I assume in a positive light, Eric, you don't want yeah, please in a positive like light. Any sort of feedback. Some, someone was in the middle of typing out the five-star view when I said coaching call Travis, and then you said, oh, with Eric, and then they just backspaced and then just exited. Well, <laughs> that's fine. Um, so let's hop into some questions. So that's what we're here to do. So we have a couple cool questions that have come in, uh, two of which deal specifically with podcasting, but the first one has to do with the coronavirus. It was only a matter of time before someone asked us about that. Uh, JT Klaus says, many see the silver lining in all that's happened in the last two weeks from family time to how we do business. As a leader, what do you see as the silver lining to all that's being dealt with due to COVID-19? Kind of really answered the question in the first statement there from my perspective, because that's really what I've been trying to focus on. It's obviously a crazy time and an unprecedented time uh, to be doing business, you know, to be living and not even just to be doing business. It's just crazy, crazy times right now. So um, one of the biggest things that I've held on to is definitely family time, especially with my son, because he is, is um, almost 11 months old now, which is crazy. It seems like it just flew by. I know I'm probably just going to keep saying that like every other parent in the history of the world, but he's 11 months now. And this past week he started taking his first steps, which has been super cool. So it's been cool for me just to kind of be able to be at home and spend a ton of time with him and with my wife and uh, um, just get some family time in. So that's, that's been one of the biggest pros for me. Um, Another thing would be the amount of time that I've been able to just kind of sit and think uh, I like I like to be able to sit and think every once in a while with just no distractions and um, and uh, you know no media pulled up in front of me that includes social media and you know Netflix or shows or anything like that. It's helped me to be able to have just some time to be able to just kind of sit in my garage. We almost have like a little mini living room in our in our garage that we have set up. So sometimes just sit in my garage with the door open and just kind of look out and just think about what the future is and and uh, and and dream about the business that I'm building and the podcasts and all that good stuff. So it's given me some extra time to gain clarity and and sit and think for myself. Um, so that's another thing. And then um, yeah, I think it just forces innovation. Anytime where you have Anytime where you have unexpected, um, unexpected rules and regulations that prevent you from being able to go about and do things, you know, business as usual, it forces innovation and it requires you to, to solve problems and think like an entrepreneur thinks and, and really start addressing some of those issues that may have been looming the last, you know, for a long time. Like if you're somebody that's really, um, hurting for cash, like, you know, maybe that's just a big lesson to save more money, you know, and, and have more emergency savings accounts and, and rainy day funds and, um, or, or focus more on cash flow or manage your debt better. Like there's always so many lessons to take away from, from something like this, but, and, and you can look at that as, you know, situations in and of themselves are, are, you know, typically, typically neutral. They're not typically like positive or negative. And, and something like this, you would pretty much look at and be like, this is a very negative thing that's happening for the entire world. And yes, that is true. Intrinsically, it's a negative thing. Um, but you doesn't mean that you have to sit there and let it happen to you. You can get proactive and try to figure out some ways to um, to take advantage of that. And so, you know, maybe if you're, if you're a nine to fiver and you're sitting at home and, and you've always been meaning to get this side hustle thing off the ground, now is a perfect time to do that. 
you're sitting at home, you got nothing else to do. You may as well like start that social media agency or whatever it is that you've been looking to start, you know, for the past year, you just haven't quote unquote had the time, you know, now's the time to do it. You know, now's the time to get caught up on that, on that, on that book list or, um, you know, uh, start, you know, training for that half marathon or whatever, you know what I mean? Like now is the time to, to really take advantage of some of the, the free time that you may have that before was just like, just so, so, um, scarce and now it's totally in abundance. So yeah, those are, so those are some of the things that I'm looking at, but family time would probably, probably be chief among them. Um, oh, and I, I got to finally watch the Mandalorian. So I'm a huge star Wars fan and I just haven't had time to sit down and watch through the Mandalorian on Disney plus. So got some time to finally sit down on, it was like a Sunday on my days off. And I try to I try to just not do anything on my down my, on my Sundays and just kind of hang out with the family. And so uh, binge watched all of the Mandalorian and uh, spent some time with the family that day. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I resonate with a lot of that. Like, obviously, there's a lot of challenges that have come with this. But, um, you know, being able to spend some more time, like, it was actually kind of a welcome, in some ways, it was a welcome rest from, like, all the traveling and stuff to be able to not have any trips on the horizon, which is, like, it depends on how you look at it. That can be shattering. It just depends how I'm viewing it at the time. But, um, but yeah, that's really cool. And, um, you know, trying to just really think about if anything, and this is, it's a painful lesson learned, but there's a lot of stuff you just realize, like, oh, I should have implemented this in case something like this happened. And so um, I think some of the positives we'll realize a few months later down the road when we think, oh, we're prepared for something like this, if it ever happens again. Because, I mean, I know you've, you're the same way. Like, I've never experienced something like this. This is so bizarre, and it doesn't even feel, like, it feels like a Twilight Zone episode of, like, everything just feels upside down. So, um, but yeah, a lot of cool learning experiences and, um, you know, it's all perspective, like the people that, that tune in to all the social media panic and all that kind of stuff are not going to have a good productive time during this, you know? Sure. That's one thing I would say is just turn off the news and stop listening to news outlets, like get your update, you know, get your, get your daily update, whatever that means for you, like turn on your news source or, you know, check out Google, but don't live in that space. Like some people like literally just leave the TV on all day and the news on in the background. And it's just like, it's just literally pouring negativity into your mind. And especially if you're listening to like Fox or CNN, you're only getting one side of the story and you're getting the people who are either trying to make, like everybody's just trying to make each other look bad instead of like trying to come up with a solution to the problem, which absolutely blows my mind that not even something like this on this grand of a scale can unite us. That's pretty, pretty, you know, scary in and of itself in terms of the, how the news outlets react to things. And you can always tell what you can always tell what the conversation uh, or what people are listening to by the conversation that you have with them and what they're filling their mind with. So, you know, just stay away from all those news outlets and don't let them, you know, get you down. Like I said, get your updates you need to get. Uh, obviously something like this, you can't just ignore what's happening. You want to stay up to date and, and see if there's any developments that may or may not help you or hurt you and your family. So, you know, get your updates, but, that's it. Like keep it to a certain limit and keep the rest of your input as positive. So transitioning to some practical advice regarding uh, something that you've been talking about for years now is getting podcasts started. Um, Kevin Mills asks, what's one mistake you see new podcasters make that frustrates you uh, the most often? Don't name names. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I actually recently wrote out like a small ebook on the seven mistakes that new podcasters make. Um, but the one, and I think that's chief among them that I see happen most often is they, 
is, is new podcasters get too bogged down with equipment and software to actually start their show. Like there'll be people that I talk to that they're like, oh yeah, I've been wanting to start a podcast for the last couple of years. I just, you know, every time I, I, I get on, I get on Amazon, I start researching like mics and all this. I just get overwhelmed. And so I put it on the back burner and it's just like, oh my goodness, man, you've been sitting on this for two plus three, four, five years because you don't know what microphone to buy and you don't know exactly how to edit audio. Like don't let those things bog you down because they are the least important things in the entire scope of things. The most important thing is your content. Everything else is secondary. You obviously don't want to have like just crappy audio quality with a bunch of like honking and sirens in the background and like white noise and like unbalanced audio levels where you have people turning up the volume to hear one person then turning down the volume because it's like that other person's screaming at them. Like you obviously don't want those things to happen, but it's way more important to just get started and worry about creating quality content than it is to worry about like, you know, tuning your your sound levels to a certain amount of luffs or whatever. You know what I mean? Like you, you don't need to worry about that stuff. Like keep it really simple. Get a USB mic, just like this one. This is my home studio mic. It costs me like 60 bucks. So we have an entire YouTube video that we have that shows my, my studio setup that you can get for like 83 bucks on Amazon and uh, get something super simple and just get started. Um, don't spend a ton of time editing. If you, if you can afford it, get somebody to do the editing for you from the beginning. Don't even try to learn it. I have some people that are just like, well, I want to learn it just in case, you know, I want to learn it just so I know how it works. Like there's just no reason to do that. If you, if you have a job that pays decent and you have, or you have a, or, or you're an entrepreneur and you have a business, you're, you shouldn't be spending any of your time worrying about how to edit or upload a show to your media host or tag it properly or, um, get your show notes to be formatted correctly. Like you, you should not have to worry about that because there's so many people, including our company, that will do that for you and take away all of the guesswork for a really, really, really affordable price. So stop using all the equipment and the software and the back end production stuff of, of a podcast as an excuse to not start one. If you have a message, you have something that you want to say, then start the show and worry about all that stuff secondarily. Proof of that point, because I've always heard you say that, and like me being someone who, you know, works with media like the idea of being like oh i picked up a cheap mic or i did this just kind of grates against me with like the idea of doing it. and that was one of the things that pushed me off for a long time but um i, I don't want to just go plug my own show but like when i launched my podcast in january um i was not recording with even a microphone like this like i was using my in com in computer audio my guests were using their cell phone or their computer and that show blew up to like, I think it was 12, like 12,000 downloads that first month. And it, yeah, it's a testament to the content versus the actual production quality. Like it didn't sound awful, but it, it sounded like a recorded phone call and um, people didn't care because the, the content resonated with them. And um, I actually talked to a, I talked to a guy today who's produced like several films and things. And he was talking um, about projects and he was like, he was talking about the filmmaking side, but he's like, all you need to make a movie, because people always talk about what's the three most important things you need for a good movie. He's like, all you need to make a movie is a camera, a film or digital storage, and actors and actresses. He's like, it doesn't matter all the other gadgets and gizmos that you have attached to it. If you don't have those three things, you're dead in the water. And um, one of the big things that he hits in his book is um, it's better to be finished than perfect. So you have to get your project out there, even if it's not you know, you try the best you can, you give it your all and what it becomes is what you put out and all you can do is work for the best. So 
I think you can take that same mentality into podcasting. All you need a podcast is a good idea, a microphone, and then a place to distribute it. If you have those three things, people are going to come find it if it's worthwhile. Exactly. Reid Hoffman said that if you're not embarrassed by the first version of your product, you've launched too late. And right. he founded a little company called LinkedIn, uh, if you've heard of it. you know. So he is very much a proponent of like better done than perfect. And the thing is people, and, and we talked about this in, uh, in, in my interview with Evan Carmichael, and he talks about like, hey, just expect to suck. It's okay. Yeah. Everybody is started from scratch. Everybody had to start somewhere, and everybody wasn't good at what they do, you know, uh, when they started. And so, you the most important thing is not worrying about how good it is; is worrying about just getting started. Because you know, you maybe you film that documentary and you get it out there, and it's not the best piece of work that anybody's ever put out. But you put it out, and you gained a ton of experience, and you right. learned a lot. So then, the next project, maybe you made a little bit of money off of it. So now you can take that and reinvest it into it. You can get some better gear. You've learned some lessons that maybe make your timeline uh, uh, better and and, sh and shrink your budget and like you, you're just gonna learn by doing stop stop think like people want to to, to only act when there's a hundred percent certainty right and that's just yeah. not that's just, that day is just probably not ever gonna come you're probably not ever gonna have that hundred percent certainty so you better be willing to start with ninety percent or seventy percent or fifty percent like if you think that you want to do it just take some action in that direction and you'll learn pretty quickly whether or not it's something that you want to do okay so this one has been a long time coming and I'm excited to announce the launch of my new company world-class media I've been doing podcast coaching and consulting for individuals and businesses for the last couple of years and over the last few months I just haven't been able to keep up with the requests so in order to serve more people I've decided to stop taking on coaching clients and start an agency that creates a done-for-you podcasting solution as well as monthly production and repurposing services so if you are a business owner coach consultant entrepreneur real estate investor whatever it may be then a podcast should be the most powerful business development tool in your arsenal. Imagine having something that is constantly engaging your ideal client, even when you're sleeping, or that allows you to connect with the top people in your industry to build your network and establish credibility, or that allows you to help listeners that are currently outside of your sphere of influence, or that helps you get book deals or speak on more stages or create content once that we can repurpose and distribute across all the platforms for you. That is the power of a world-class podcast that's done the right way. So if you're interested in starting a show, but you just don't have the time, the resources, or desire to figure out all the tech stuff, the hosting, the equipment, the platforms, the production, then you just focus on what you do best, which is serving your clients and running your business. And then let my team focus on what we do best, which is creating world-class chart-topping podcasts. Let's at least hop on a call and chat about it because I'm fairly picky with the people that I work with. And I only work with people who I genuinely think are going to be able to absolutely crush it with a new show. So head over to travischapel.com slash make my podcast. That's travischapel.com slash make my podcast. And we'll chat real soon. Yeah, when Evan said expect to suck, I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> I thought I was just an anomaly, but uh, that's what you're supposed to be doing off the off the bat. So, um, yeah, that's awesome. So uh, one other podcast question. Uh, Kyle Stanley asked, what was your biggest fear when you began podcasting and how did you overcome it? My biggest fear was that I was going to fail and that it was going to be embarrassing because I, I knew at that point in my life, I knew that I had a bunch of people watching me hoping that I was going to fail. Um, and you know, people from, from growing up, sure. But also people from like past professional, 
um, uh, circumstances that I was in where, uh, where when I left their companies or whatever, they stopped talking to me just because I wasn't producing for them. I was a salesperson. I wasn't producing for them anymore. And they literally just like stopped talking to me just because I didn't work for them anymore. And, uh, I knew that they were talking crap and, and trying to get the people who stayed at the company to like see me in a negative light and see me not being successful so that they would be more apt to stay in the position that I used to be in. If that makes sense. Does that make sense? Um, I hope, hope that, hope that kind of makes sense as a story there. But, um, so I knew that there were people that were rooting for me to, to not succeed with it. And so that, that played into my fear a little bit. Cause I was just like, man, if I give this my all and I fail, that's going to suck. And could I ask you just to, for clarification, what did you, when you first started, it probably is different now, but when you first started, what would you have considered failure? What were you scared of? What was it not getting listeners? Was it having to go back and get a job again? What? Yeah, kind of, kind of not no listeners and no money. Uh, money was probably the bigger thing for me rather than listeners. Um, I figured right. like if I was, if I'd made money that I would have listeners. Um, but for me, it was like, I, this was the first time I'd ever invested big into myself and in my personal development. So, you know, in that first, in that first year of starting my show, I had a $42,000 personal credit card that I had that I was putting everything on in my business. And, um, my credit has always meant a lot to me. I've, I've, I've good credit and I've worked hard to, 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 to keep good credit. And so when I started putting stuff on this, on this credit card, it was with the faith that I was going to be able to make it work and that I was going to be able to pay off that credit card with the money that I made from the show that I was building. And so by the end of my first year of podcasting, that credit card was maxed out $42,000 worth of like masterminds, events, um, you know, hotels for events, uh, you know, a flight, mentors, coaching, courses, like you name it. I was learning, I was consuming, I was, I was taking everything in that I possibly could. And that would also include all the hard startup costs, you know, like websites and equipment and software and all the other stuff too. You know, it was basically like starting my online business and that was essentially what it cost me. The majority of the cost being masterminds and mentorship and coaches and things like that. So like for me, that version of failure looked like, not being able to pay any of that credit card off with any of the money that I was making on that. And then having to pay that credit card off with other things and seeing my worth drop and, and knowing that I wasn't going to be able to ever, ever make it back in the vehicle that I was paying to make it back in. So that was, yeah, that was a super scary thing for me was to, was to go all in on something and know that it, there's a possibility that it might not work out the way that I want it to work out. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, you know, a lot of risk there, but you know, you know, got to, if you got to, got to, got to risk it to get the business. So. Yeah. This kind of segues perfectly into the last two questions that were asked here. And, uh, one of those is from Oscar. I'm so sorry if I'm mispronouncing last names, but, uh, Oscar Kazoon. Kazoon. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Um, and so you had a lot of people that were saying, Hey, you're not going to make it, or are you sure about this? Why don't you get secure jobs? All those things that every entrepreneur has heard a million times. Um, when do other people's opinions matter? Because obviously you're talking about mentorships. You're talking about being around people who are going to, you know, coach you or give you accountability. When do you choose to listen to someone and how do you know who to listen to when you're going out on a venture like this? Yeah, it's a good question. You, the way that I tell people is you should only take advice from people that you're willing to trade plays with in that vertical. 
I always have to add the caveat because I always have one person inevitably that's like, well, I would never trade lives with anybody. I love my life and I'm grateful. Okay. I'm not saying that. I'm saying like, if I want to be a successful, if I want to be successful in podcasting, probably shouldn't go ask people for advice who've never started a podcast before. Right. It's probably not where I'm going to get, because that's just going to be all the people who don't know what it's like to be a podcaster. And that did happen. When I asked people about it, or really I'd, I'd already made up my mind. So I was telling people about it. Um, and uh, I got pushback on the fact that I just spent 6,500 bucks on a weekend at John Lee Dumas's house. And uh, I got people say, saying like, man, you could have spent that in this way and you could have used it for this and used it for that. You could have used it for, you know, a variety of different things like, you know, and, and saying basically like you shouldn't have done that. And, uh, the thing is none of those people's opinions on that particular topic mattered to me. And they obviously all matter a little bit. Like you never want to hear when, when you're trying to create something, you know, you never want to hear the naysayer or the dream killer, uh, say that, say that what you're doing isn't going to work, but I just don't put much stock in it unless they have some success in that field. Like right. why, like if, if you don't have success in the thing that I'm going to have success in, then how can you give me really good advice on how to be successful in that thing? It just doesn't make any sense. And I, I'm amazed, bro. I'm amazed. Like people, people equate love with good advice and mm -hmm. it's just no. a bad habit to get into. So they're just like, well, just, you know, my parents love me. So they're giving me advice that's good. And it's like, okay, your love you. Yes. But that doesn't mean that the advice that they're giving you is good. Like right. If you're, if your dad's an engineer and you're trying to, you know, sell real estate, you have to take it with a grain of salt. I'm not saying to right. completely ignore it or not ask them for advice. I'm just saying you have to be willing to be like, hey, mom, dad, I appreciate your opinion. You know, brother, sister, friend, wife, right. husband, whatever, you know, person that's close to me. I understand that you love me. I understand that your opinion matters to me in some regard. But at the end of the day, I'm probably going to go ask this person and their advice is something that I'm going to take a little bit more seriously because they have more success in this field, the, the, the field that I'm actually trying to be successful in. So if I want to write a, if I want to become a New York times bestselling author, I'm not going to go ask all my, all my friends who self-published and sold on Amazon how right. to do it. Like that's just, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do that. And I might, I'm them for something about writing a book and I might get a little bit of good advice from them from, from that angle. But in, in terms of becoming a New York times bestselling author, unless you have become one, you don't know what it takes to get there. So uh, you, you have to, you have to filter the people you take advice from and understand that like some people, though they may have the best intentions and though they may love you with all their heart, doesn't mean that they're going to give you good advice. That's actually going to get you to the place that you want to be. Right. And I think you kind of alluded to this, but it's also kind of segmenting what advice from what person like it's I always bring up the thing like if your parents are in deep debt and can't afford anything and have always struggled and are going through all this and, you know, they offer you financial advice or say, hey, what about this for your career choice? You're probably not going to take that advice if they're amazing parents and they're great at spending time with you, you're probably going to take that and apply it to your kids and your relationship with them. You know, same with friends. Like if you have a friend that's great at sales, you might take their sales advice. If they, if their girlfriend or wife hates them, you're not going to take relationship advice from them. So it's just choosing and segmenting what advice you take. It's like having, it's like, you know, having a mechanic um, that you trust that maybe just right. isn't a good business person. You know, it's like, right. he can still fix my car, 
but I'm not going to ask him how to run my business because he's drowning in debt and can never like afford to buy anything because he runs his business horribly. You know, it doesn't mean that he can't fix my car. It doesn't mean that he's the most qualified person to do that job. And I'm going to ask him for advice if uh, my car breaks down. Sure. But I'm not going to ask him for his business advice. Like you have to, you have to, you just have to learn to take advice with a grain of salt, even if it comes from somebody who you trust and love. Right. Um, and this kind of ties in with that as well. And this is from Devin Weaver and he essentially asks us, how do you know when to let go of a non-compliant direction? So if you have a goal, you're in a specific route to that goal, but it no longer can get you there. You find out it's not the most efficient way to reach the goal, but you don't want to let go. You put in all this hard work, you put in all the money, you put in all the time. When do you know it's time to let go? And I know, you know, there's always those stories we hear and, and entrepreneurs have a tendency to cling onto it of, they spent a hundred thousand and it was that last thousand dollars that made them a millionaire or it was that last late night that got them there. Um, how do you differentiate, you know, being stupid and just pushing forward into an area that's obviously not working and being hopeful and optimistic that you're on the right path? How do you delineate those two things? Yeah, that's a super good question. And one that I'm not even sure that I'm super qualified to answer. Um, and I don't even know if anybody really is because it's such a nuanced question. There's so many different, there's just a, you know unlimited amount of possibilities in right. what situation that you're in. So it's going to really depend on on where you are and, and, and what you've done and where you've been. Um, but uh, for me, the fact that you're asking that question probably tells me that you're done of where you are. Um, if you're that, if you give, if you've given it that much thought and there's another opportunity that could potentially benefit you more then maybe it's time to, to throw in the towel and, and switch directions. Um, but that being said, I think that the majority of people like, I think that the question is really good intentions. And I'm not saying that, that Devin or uh, who asked this question, I'm not saying that this is his particular scenario, but I'm saying that probably the majority of time, it's the opposite of that, that people need to worry about. It's the giving up too quickly that people need to worry about. Uh, I would say the probably vast majority of the time it's people that are, that are basing their next decision on a too small amount of data. Like, like, and I'll give you a, just a really rudimentary example of this. Like if you're going to try door to door sales, like I did in the past and uh, you want to know if you're any good at it and you go out your first day and you knock on 50 doors and you don't get any sales and then you go up and then, uh, and then you, the next day you wake up and you're like, okay, I'm done because like I knocked on 50 doors, like 50 people, that's 50 opportunities. And I didn't make one sale. I'm done right? That I think is what the majority of people do, whether it's actual door knocking or any other form of entrepreneurship. They look for like the immediate success. And when they don't see it, they immediately back out of something and start doing something different. Um, so I, I think that, I think that for the majority of people, the answer is probably you haven't given it enough time. Um, but I, there, there's obviously caveats to that. And I, Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank says it the best when he says like, hey, sometimes you just got to take an idea behind the barn and shoot it. And uh, <laughs> some ideas just aren't ever going to get off the ground. And I think that I think that would just be evident from how much time you've really put into it. You know, some of those people on that show 
have put like have mortgaged their homes and and put seven years of their life into something and it's still not getting off the ground like uh, I don't know maybe maybe it's a good idea but maybe the the economy is just not it's not the right time to to put it into the economy. You know, um, um, uh, a great example of this would be Redbox. Redbox took the video rental world by storm, and what they, there was there was a company that essentially did what Redbox did like 15 years before they did it, but it didn't take off because it was still VHSs, and it was just not the right time. For like the like the for whatever reason the market wasn't ready to accept that as a good timing so right. like 10 years fast forward 10 15 years and the same exact idea you know was one of the big proponents that ended up putting blockbuster and hollywood video and all those stores out of business right. was was that exact same concept so sometimes just a matter of timing but um but i think i think most of the time people give up too quickly like if you're still in the six months and you're asking a question like that and wondering that you're probably really really you know you probably just haven't had enough time in the business. You probably haven't had enough data to, uh, to test, to make a real decision like that, to make an informed decision like that. So yeah, I would, I would, I would say that for the majority of people you probably should stick in it longer, but there's definitely a time where, where you got to take the idea behind the barn and shoot it. And I think that's where, that's where the networking piece comes in because I rely on a lot of my mentors to tell me when something like that would end up happening. Um, cause they have a lot better insight into that stuff than I do. Right. Yeah, I see it a lot with, I mean, sticking back on the podcasting, I see a lot of people do that with listeners. Like, I have 15 listeners. I have 20 listeners. Like, I I, I mean, I know that. Like, I know consciously that, you know, you're not going to get listeners super fast. It takes time to build up a show. But, like, even me, when I look at my stats and see, oh, 15 downloads, 20 downloads, I want to just pull the shoot and just be out of there and be like, okay, it didn't work. And it really is a, like... And I, I think the other thing I would add too, and this this really comes from your interview with Dean Graziosi that we just put out. Um, one of the things he talks about is like we just live in a different time where you don't have to financially ruin yourself to see if something works. Like he talks about, um, and I really, if you haven't listened to the episode, you guys should check it out. It's it's an awesome interview. Um, but one of the things he talks about is like he had to scrounge every penny. I think he said he took out a, a new mortgage on his house. He he leveraged everything he had to buy an infomercial for several hundred thousand dollars. And he talks about it. He said, I did all that hoping that like, or not knowing at all, would one person buy it? Would two people buy it? Would nobody buy it? And he, he mentions, he says, we're in a different time now where you can spend 50 bucks on Facebook ads and see if something's starting to pick up traction. It's a totally different time. So I think for a lot of people, like they do, and I've heard you talk about this is they, they try to go a certain direction and they try to do the pull out all the stops and jump into it. But there is also some wisdom in like, try out a couple things while you still have an income source coming in or try out a couple things without putting, you know, maybe don't run a hundred thousand dollars in Facebook ads, maybe start with a hundred dollars and see what happens. Um, because that the problem that you brought up that's like terrifying is when people need it to succeed because they've so over leveraged themselves that that's all they can do where it is that moment of like, Oh, I'm going to lose the house and my family and everything because I want this to work so bad. You know, that's not a good spot to put yourself. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I, yeah, it, like I said, it's such a nuanced topic. It's so hard to give really good, uh, like all encompassing advice on. Cause I mean, Damon John did the same thing. He was like two months away from bankruptcy when his company finally is when his company FUBU finally hit. And now he's who he is because yeah. of that, you know, and if he wouldn't have 
if he wouldn't have have mortgaged his house to do that and, right. and gotten himself into insane amount of debt and almost put himself in bankruptcy, then he wouldn't be who he is today. But you know, for every one of those stories, there's a hundred other stories where it didn't work out. So right. um, I think it requires an insane amount of self-awareness and the ability to ask yourself the question, like, how much do I want this to succeed? How committed am I? What the way that um, I like the way that Ed Milet puts it, which is, um, is my will to win for sale? And I, I think the answer for most people eventually is yes, but what's the price? So is my will to win for sale? And if so, what's the price? And it's going to vary for every single person out there because some ideas just don't matter to you as much as other ideas matter to you. Right. So yeah. like something that you really, 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 really want with every fiber of your being, it might be worth risking everything to accomplish it. But something that you're maybe just not that bought into, but you think it was a good idea and it's not picking up traction, you're going to be a lot quicker to, like I said, give up on that. Your will to win on that is for sale at a much cheaper price than it would be on something that really matters like a lot to you. So like I said, it's such, it's such a good question, but very, very nuanced and, uh, and difficult to answer without knowing like everybody's exact situation. Right. Well, yeah, these were some awesome questions and there's, there's one last one. We've been dancing around it the whole time. And I think it's one that everybody's going to want to know. Uh, what did you think of the Mandalorian? <laughs> I, I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot, bro. Honestly, I, uh, wasn't sure. Cause one of my favorite parts of the whole, obviously star Wars saga is the Jedi and the lightsabers and like all that stuff. And so I was like, well, you know, with these offshoots that keep happening, they don't seem to be focusing in on like a certain Jedi or something, which I always thought would be the coolest star Wars show ever would be like, right. a, like a Wolverine type Jedi. That's like a rogue Jedi. Cause in that world, you know, star Wars universe, there's like if you're a Jedi or if you, if you use the force, you're either evil or you're good. Like you're a Jedi or you're a Sith. Right? Right. I would like to see a show that like follows somebody who was just like, you know what? F the Jedi order, but also I'm not evil and I'm not a dick. So I don't want to go around killing people. You know what I mean? So right. like, I've always wanted to see one where like some guy that's like a rogue Jedi that just kind of lives in the outer systems and like does like vigilante work. I think that would be super, super dope. But that being said, I wasn't sure how much I was going to like the Mandalorian just because I knew that it wasn't in like using those same parts of the, that universe that I like to see. Um, but I ended up really liking it a lot. Um, the, the guy who plays the Mandalorian does a really good job. And I think that the story is captivating enough to, they, they have like, they do a good job of having like a continuous storyline, but also individual storylines with each episode. That's almost reminds me of the way that Smallville did it, where there's like a big, long storyline of, of like high school kid becoming Superman. But each individual episode is like also attacking its own like story arc and stuff like that. I thought, I thought that was, I thought that was really well done. I think John Favreau really did a good job with that. And he, I mean, he's one of the best in the game. So and the Mandalorian has Bill Burr, which Smallville didn't have. So yeah, that's so true. <laughs> I was like, "What is Bill Burr doing in this?" Yeah, that was so funny. It was it was a surprise. I didn't know that he was in there. If you guys have any other questions, be sure to drop them on this YouTube video. Uh, join the Build Your Network Facebook group uh, and drop them in there as well. And then we'll probably be asking these on the Instagram stories. So that's at Travis Chapel. Uh, you can check it out there. So, all right, guys, we'll see you next Thursday, and we'll uh, take some of these other questions on. Peace out, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. Well, that's it for this episode of World Class. World Class is hosted by me, Travis Chapel, and produced by Eric Skorzynski. It is a world-class media production. At World Class Media, we produce top-rated podcasts for seven to nine-figure entrepreneurs, executives, real estate investors, and content creators. So if you want your own show, 
you have the budget to create one, but you just don't have the time or the team to figure it out, then go to travischapel.com slash make my podcast. That's travischapel, C-H-A-P-P-E-L-L.com slash make my podcast. And let's chat to see if we'd be a good fit to work together. Thanks so much for joining us. Until next time, peace out and stay world-class.